I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified. This is Rob McGray, and you're listening to DTC Growth Hacking, presented by Field Test. Field Tests allows businesses to connect with their customers anywhere they are online. This is a bi-monthly podcast that's dedicated to this new language of marketing, which somehow has extended, it feels at times, into every aspect of communication in the modern world. Which brings us to today's topic, PR. Public relations is a key pillar for any successful brand. And over the last few years, PR has begun to play a more and more critical role in a comprehensive, or as some of our guests like to say, 360-degree media strategy. PR agencies ensure messaging reaches the proper audience, yes. But the question that many people have, including me, is how exactly does PR even work? And so to answer, help answer that question, Today, we've asked my friend Alexis Walsko to join our roster of awesome guests. She's the founder and CEO of Alola Red Public Relations. She's smart. She's pretty savvy, but also extremely practical. And I think she's driven by common sense and logic. At least she has been when we work together. Alexis, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Rob. You forgot to say I'm really blonde, which it's a you it's are, a podcast, you, so people may not know, but I am very, very blonde as well. You are very, very blonde. What is the shade of of your blondeness? Oh, Does platinum have a name? blonde. I've been platinum. platinum. Well, I was born platinum blonde, then it went the wrong way. So now I'm back to platinum blonde, and I feel like I was born this way. I was born to be this. Yeah. Well, it looks good. So I Thank think you. I think I think you're doing the right thing. Thank you. So it's a cool look. It's distinct. And I can always pick you out of a crowd. Well, there she is. You know, I think it's, to be honest, I actually think it is a secret to success because it is memorable. Yeah. So is a face tattoo. I chose blonde hair versus a face tattoo. (laughs) I'm I'm picturing you with a face tattoo. Mm -hmm. What would the face tattoo be? Um, Oh, probably like a star by my eye. Okay. Not a tear. Not You're original. Not not a, okay. No, no. Right. <laughs> oh. Alexis, you've been, um, I mean, you've been running your own agency uh, for, for over two decades, which is a good amount of time. And so I guess to start, like, was this the expectation that you'd spin up this, this PR agency and, and have such a incredible, um, incredibly successful long-lasting journey uh you know was it meant to be the 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 career career or or like how does how does it happen how does someone start a pr agency um i'm going to answer that in a few different ways first it's super important that i remind people that i started lola red pr at the age of 22 so i believe we've been in business 20 so that would i'm 44 so that would be 22 years um, two decades makes me sound really old, Rob. So I'm conscious of that. <laughs> so no, that's why I, I want to remind you're, you. I mean, I mean, you're 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 quite young. I, I think I'm I'm the I'm the senior here by by a lot. Okay. Oh, good. Good. Well, but you yeah. you look good. Yeah, um, well, thank but you. So uh, so I started really really young. Um, it, did I know that this was my lifetime? No. Um, I don't even, Rob, honestly, I don't even, I'm, I am the least studied person in my office. Uh, I studied marketing and entrepreneurship. So I did not study PR. I did not study communications. 
Uh, I can write a business plan, run a business, write a marketing plan in my sleep. That's what I am trained to do. But it is PR that I taught myself how to do at 22 and that I believe like comes from my gut. And if you want to get a little cheesy, like comes from my soul. I don't know how I know or can direct and guide the way that I do, but I just have this innate talent for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm someone, what's the definition of talent? Being able to, to do something without trying very hard. Right. Great. That's what I do. Yeah. 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 You are, you, you are <laughs> so talented. That, so that is, so that is my talent, but this um, I never, I, I never set out that this would be 22 years. Um, but I know I knew very early on that I would get into business for myself, like literally from the age of 10 or 12, like entrepreneurship and business ideas were just, they, they were in me. Um, and so it was PR that I sort of fell into through a college internship. But then I became so good at it. I was in Boulder, Colorado, and I became known in Boulder, Colorado, just out of college as the girl that could get you in national magazines. And so it is that network of national media connections that really built out my business at first. And then it was built on the backbone of service which I am really passionate about what you would consider customer service. So service to my clients, service to the media, and then mixing in the sort of strategy directional piece of it, which is, I believe what my gut and my history over the years has helped me to be better at. Yeah. So, so you're in, let's go back. You're, you're, this sensation in Boulder, Colorado, and and I've, I've lived in Boulder for a little while, so I, I'm familiar with the territory. Um, I'm trying to think around that time. You know, startups are starting to happen. Like companies are starting to pop up, and mm-hmm. Boulder's becoming the, you know, what it will ultimately become with like you know investors like Foundry there and Brad Feld and that that whole crew and eventually lead to like the Sphero people, et cetera, et cetera. But like, how, how do you quickly gain that reputation? I mean, clearly you must've got somebody in a national magazine. Like how, how do you go about, like, what's the first step when you're, when you're starting out and you want to figure out how, how to make something like that happen? Um, no joke, Rob, you become a barista and cast register girl at Vicks Espresso in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, this is like the funny part. I I can give you the business side, but the funny part of the story is that that was literally my job that I was doing in the mornings before I would go home and do my PR in the afternoons, but I met everybody. And so in meeting everybody and in developing relationships that is where I first had the opportunities where people were like, oh, so you had an internship and in your internship, people were like, you got them in Vogue and Forbes. Like, that's pretty amazing. Can you do that for me? And then by telling that story over and over at the coffee shop, that's how I started a business. Yeah. And so the, the first, the business is, yeah. So it's, it's, it's basically to me what I heard was I was meeting people, I was talking to people, I was connecting the dots, and then I figured out how to leverage that in in a in a professional way, which was and just doing more of the dot connecting for people. It is, and it's something I talk about often. Um, I believe that your network is your net worth. And so it is that network of media connections that I built a business on. It is then meeting more and more people that that was those, those, that is who became my clients. And then it is sort of learning the craft as I went along. So I like really reverse engineered a company and a life by those things. Cause a lot of people, but I mean, that's, I think that's entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, it's also smart, 
right? It's it's very smart to I think I think the thing that that when I hear people talk who I would define as being self-aware, I'm immediately impressed. And I think that you know, we assume everyone has a certain level of self-awareness, like that they know what they're good at and they know where they fit into the universe. But mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people don't and, and it creates friction for them because they're constantly trying to do things that maybe they weren't supposed to do in areas that, that is just not, it's, it, you know, everyone has, a, I believe everyone has a purpose and everybody is great, but you need to find what your purpose is to unleash your greatness. And it sounds like you're one of those lucky folks who realized it very early and was able to just kind of start the ride and and keep it going based on, you know, to to your point, um, self-awareness, talent, and hustle. I I think also to me, it is super important to be a good person. And that's how you have longevity in business, or at least that for me, that has been my secret to success is that it was, it has been essential to be a person of my word. So to deliver what I do, what I say I'm going to do, deliver what I promise, treat people with kindness, be super honest and do what is best for your clients, which that's not always what a client wants, but that that is what has given me longevity. I've got to take a step back. What is your purpose? Mine. Oh, I I I think mine is to, um, like if I had a superpower, I would I would probably say it was the ability to take a lot of information and complicated ideas and make make it very accessible. And so it's probably like some storytelling in there where, you know, it's not that I full, I even need to fully comprehend the, the complicated ideas. It's, it's that I can comprehend them enough to, to translate. And I've had a fair amount of success in that type of role. Now I, I, me personally, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm somewhat technical. Like I'm not, I'm not untechnical, but that's not, that's not my purpose. There are people who can write, you know, just run rings around me in that regard. So it was like, it took me a long time to kind of figure that out, that that was what I was going to be known for, you know, in, in the work that I did was, was being able to do exactly what I just said. And I think for me, at least that, that skill has been great in lots of different ways, because as you know, communication is the heart of everything we do. And we can talk all day about brands communicating to customers, but at its heart, it's, it's you and I having a conversation. Can we communicate? And, you know, you, you, you said something great, like, you know, I was, I'm, I try to be a good person and I try to do the right thing. And someone once said to me, uh, you know, Rob, everyone's just trying to, to get by. There's no bad and no good. It's just, everyone's just trying to, to get through this the best they can, given the circumstances that, that they find themselves. And it was easy to like, to tell myself that was not true. Like there, because you want to think it's black and white. There's no, there's evil and there's good. And then, but if you really thought about it, you're like, you know what, these, you know, moods are circumstantial. Like some days I'm a jerk. Like I try are not you? to be. Are you? Well, if, I'll tell you, if, if I drink a cup of coffee, I turn into a huge douchebag, like huge. Like That's I can't what drink does coffee. it for you? Yeah. My wife calls it divorce juice. Like it is, I have to drink, I drink green tea all day because it doesn't have that effect on me, but something about coffee unlocks like this horrible person because I, I know exactly what it does. It removes the the inhibitions that I have that prov- that 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 make me like kind of real time empathetic, right? Like I really do try to, you know, virtually walk in your shoes while I'm talking to you, 
right? I, I really care about mm-hmm. the, the, I do, I care about the people that I meet and that I talk to and I, I try to figure out what their life is like and what was their day like? How can I make it better? How can I, how can I communicate with you? And when I drink coffee, the caring goes away. And so then it's just like, I can say whatever I want without even thinking about it. So in some ways it's, it makes me probably, um, hyper productive because I can go faster, but it makes me dangerously disruptive and just kind of mean because I'm no longer thinking about the other person, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm uh, jealous that it's just coffee that does that that for you. I'd be like tequila, maybe that does that for me. I'm not sure. Um, But going back to your purpose, I think Remember, in being in PR, you have to figure out the messaging and you you just brought up communicating. So I would I love what you said about your purpose. Literally, I would package that as your one liner and that you know how to uh, package creative chaos and strategy. Because that has been my my experience with you is that that is the purpose and that is the gift or the talent that you said earlier that you bring to experiences. And when you find you were right, when you find that talent moving forward with it and bringing it to others, like that's a good living. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate that, you know, I went to school for playwriting and, and, and it, maybe it makes sense to you when I say it, but I wanted to be a playwright Um, but when I came out to California, like there just was no money in it. And so my backup plan was I knew how to fix computers. And so I got into technology and I had this belief that someday, and this was like the nineties. So I had this belief that soon there was going to be a convergence between like, you know, entertainment and technology. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And the pinnacle of that, of that you know, kind of prediction coming true. And it's really not that hard to predict. So I'm not like a genius, but was probably like the, the agency that we had called Digisend that we ended up selling to Disney. And we just, it was just the right thing at the right time. And I, I, I do want to give myself a little bit of credit. Um, look, I mean, you know, as much of it was luck, I, I do play like a long game. And, 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 you know, we've worked together and you know how I kind of try to behave and it's, I try to extend that vision as far as I can and let other people see where this is going. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that success for me was being able to execute on that and then get the validation for, no, this was the right thing. Like looking in, sometimes when you look into the future and you're right, you get rewarded. And, and that's what I felt that that was. Um, you know, when, when I met, when I met you and the team and, uh, I think it was you, it was Becky, it was Keegan at the time, like just such a wonderful group of people. And what really clicked for me in terms of our collaboration was that I was able to, in my own way, try to explain like, this is what I think we can do. And this is the vision. And this is how we could tell this story. And then you guys were just like, yep, we know what to do with that. We know exactly who to talk to. We know who to, we're going to have talk to you. Tell that story. Here's a little, here's some guidance on how to tell it. And I literally, like, I remember I was in New York. I was with Keegan and uh, a couple of the folks from Sphero. And we went and we met with the the Verge. And I was like a big fanboy of of their, their site. And I liked their, I liked, like, this was like crazy. Like I was going to do an interview with the Verge. I I, first off, I get excited when clients get that excited. Yeah. And it was, and it was the founder. I geeked out a little bit over it. I also, I geeked out during the Sphero days over Vanity Fair. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. That was my like, oh, but you guys, you guys had us talking to everybody. I mean, everybody, I was doing nonstop interviews in person and on the phone. And I just remember the Verge was my first one. And I didn't tell anybody like, I've really never talked to, like I've, I've been behind the scenes, but now all of a sudden I'm going to tell the story. And it was Ross, who's, I guess the, the founder of the Verge. And, 
And I wasn't really sure how it came out, right? Because I, I didn't have a good sense. I thought I, I, I said all the things. I told the story. I told the story of Bob Iger. Like I did all the things that, that I wanted to. And when I saw it, what they had put together, um, I was just like blown away at how good it came out. And I always thought, man, like when, you, when you're prepared, when you've got a great partner, when you listen, like magic can happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that wasn't just one time that was like 40 times or something in a week that the same thing was coming at you. It's a great story. There's a gift there. So, so a publicist and a PR person's job is to be a messenger. So that's what we are. We are not, we are not always the creator of the stories or the experience or the product. Sometimes we get to get in there and craft the story, um, but not not always, and especially not in the experience that you and I and that our team had with you. And so the gift that we had as messengers was actually that we had someone like you who was able to create a package out of the creative chaos. And that's what you did with that product, but also with the storytelling. And so that helps us in knowing what we know about media to bring that and to find what we know are going to be the hot buttons for media to bring that to them. And to get rid of any other potential distracting messaging so that our key messaging gets to that media outlet and then they regurgitate it out to the public. So we had a gift in you. So you may have been nervous, but everything that you have done prepared us for that. And that is that is actually something that I think is really important for people thinking about PR is to think about how well can they package what they have. And when I say package, it's not a box, although you did help to create this incredible consumer product experience, but it's to package. It's the founder's story. It is the, um, it is the target market. It is the use cases. It is figuring out how to be able to tell the story of the technology in human terms because rarely will you have the experience of media unless you're talking to trade media which isn't that that plays a different role than computer than computer sales um or than than consumer sales excuse me but um you have to be able to communicate that so you did a lot of the work and we got to be the messengers of that so that was super helpful, but also for us, that is our, that is our skill is to message and be the messengers. Yeah. yeah I mean, I had never, I had never seen, um, how a, a, a good PR agency actually maneuvered and coordinated and coached in action before. Like that was like a masterclass. Oh, so you'd only seen bad ones? I, I, I had seen like, I think my, and I, I, I don't want to speak for everybody in the world, but I, I think we, we think of PR with a, a little bit of a predisposition on, on what we think it does, like what role it plays. And I think, you know, I, I've done a lot of, um, accelerator programs and mentored through a lot of these programs. And one of my, one of my, uh, bits of feedback for a lot of these programs is that I don't think they spend enough time teaching founders how to, how to package their story so that, you know, and then, and then you end up with a situation where these companies, they think they just call a number and the PR company gets some interviews and, you know, and, and by the way, what are you going to say? Like, what is it that you have? Like, I don't think they get that. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the information is the currency in which um, PR engages with media and it's give and take, right? And it's like, I'm going to give you this and then later you're going to give me that. 
And so here's this thing that nobody really cares about. I need you to do an interview with this company because by the way, I gave you this other thing that everybody wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and I'm sure you have hundreds of these relationships that are in play at any given time and, and you're a good person. So it's sincere, but you are trying to figure out where does this story go and who do I activate? I do. I do. I, I want to comment on that give and take. So something I'm really proud of is that it has been rare in our experience that we have called upon favors from media for coverage for our clients. Um, we, and in relationships, I mean, we do have media relationships where that is something that we could do. I have found it to be important that we, that, that we believe in whoever our client is at the time and that we have the skill to pitch it to the right place and tell media why they should be interested. But that is not, that is not easy. And that also means in terms of clients, we have to say no a lot. Um, because it isn't, because it's our reputation that's on the line with our relationship with the media. Um, but that also, that kind of goes to a, a question of why, why do PR, like, why does it, why does it matter and what can it do? And we only work with companies who are able to actually make a difference for themselves with PR coverage, because you can get media coverage for the sake of ego. Mm -hmm. So you can, we can get you interviews that are going to make you feel amazing. And actually the, the interviews are probably going to be pretty good because the intention behind them isn't to sell a lot of product or whatever. I think that that is, um, that just isn't the kind of work that we do. And I don't, and I struggle with, with that intention, especially when we are representing a company, because I believe that you need to be able to utilize the coverage and the attention that we are able to get you from media and from consumers. You need to be able to tie that back to something. So whether that is credibility building, if it is sales if it is um, like a, uh, if it is fundraising, it needs to have a purpose and intention versus I just want to do it. Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In that sort of wish and desire that is what our group with, works with, that having that standard also has helped us to have really great team members because they stay because typically when you are working with a client who is not interested in doing ego related PR, that is just for their ego and not for the greater good of a company or a product, you kind of filter out the people who lead with ego. And that is, that is a large portion of burnout, especially in our industry. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? I was sense? thinking it does. I, I mean, I, um, I think that there's a misconception that people have that, you know, we, we live in this kind of Elon Musk, you know, era where I, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, you know, I'm in the space industry and, you can see the effect that Elon Musk has had on the way that founders behave. And it's almost like folks are emulating the reason they think he's successful, right? And they think if I act like Elon Musk, maybe some kind of magic will happen. Now, I don't know Elon Musk and I'm sure he's fine and, and he's clearly doing a good job at, at you know, what he does. But I don't know if that's necessarily something that you can replicate, right? No, and but I have worked with people who have studied him down to his cadence of speech. Not necessarily in an effort to replicate, but to learn mm -hmm. and to attempt to, to obtain some of that halo and attention that he gets for things yeah. such as his cadence of speech, how he presents himself and things yeah. like that. And it's good. I mean, his, I, I am a hundred percent sure that there is an ego there. We all have one. Um, in, and in terms of what he's doing, I mean, it is reflecting whether for better or for worse, he is getting attention for the companies that he has founded and is part of. And again, that's oh, without, for better or for without worse. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh -huh. I just, um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I think that we share is this idea of being authentic. And I believe going back to that purpose that people who are, and, and look, I, I know that people can get trained and you can kind of muddle your way through anything, right? But there are people who are naturally in their authentic state, pleasurable to listen to, and you want to root for them and you want to get behind them. And I believe that, that those people naturally have an advantage when they're out there telling the story of a company. Right. And they're able to almost put their ego aside for a second and remember the purpose of why they're actually doing the interview. Uh -huh. You know, we've gotten in this weird thing. Like I remember, remember when like Ted talks were like, like they were like the thing, right. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, if, if you did a Ted talk, you're, you're clearly really smart and awesome. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, no, that Ted's like a business. Like it's, it's a really smart business 
and they leverage people talking and you feel good because you get validation and then they, they get to build their brand with your, you know, with your talk. And it led to this whole, like, uh, I guess I call it like this whole fireside chat phenomena where people thought that, that the ultimate expression of their awesomeness was if a group of people would sit there and listen to you have a conversation with somebody in front of a fireplace. And you would, you would go to these conferences and the level of blowhard was yeah. insane, mm-hmm. right? It was no, I, I couldn't tell you what anybody was selling mm-hmm. or what I was supposed to do with this information, except maybe bow down and tell you how great you are because mm-hmm. you got to sit in front of the fire. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm very aware of this ego that you talk about and these folks who are, forget what they're marketing and are just marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I I completely understand that because I am a publicist, and because I mean that is I well, I am an entrepreneur first. I am a untrained publicist second. Um, but because of that, I love to analyze news stories, interviews national events i it is my favorite thing to talk about at our office to analyze what is happening in the world yeah so like literally what was it when facebook this was just recently and i don't know if this is true or not i don't know i have no insight to facebook's business when facebook was going through their recent crisis drama And then was it the next day or two days later? It was was the next day. Instagram was was down? Yeah. In my office, we were like, this seems fishy. But that is a way, that is called news hacking. Yeah. It was intentional. Was it? That's what I have no idea. But in a publicist's mind or in my team's mind, we're like, News changed very quickly. Well, it was also like, if you think about the how many people get their news from Facebook, mm-hmm. I think Facebook was probably like in the top three news sources mm-hmm. and they shut that news source down. Mm-hmm. Like they, they stopped any kind of conversation about the news mm-hmm. for like for a third of the sources. Mm-hmm. Right. Because think, even think about like a, a CNN or a New York Times, they're actually putting their content on Facebook and it's how people are finding it. It so is. They it have crazy. one of the best news aggregators I have ever yeah. seen. And one of the reasons I think I got into this business is that I love news. So I love news. I love information and I want to know what's going on. So if I'm an ambulance chaser, that's not a joke. Like I want to know where it's going, why it's going. So like that, that is, that is the intention I I think behind what I do and how I got into this. But now the fun part, and it's also the stress part, stressful part is dissecting the, stories, but it's also that dissection that helps us and my team to guide because we can see how, how it's being digested. And we have, we have a very seasoned and wise eye to the story. Speaking of that, like what's, what's your process for, let's say, you know, you meet, you meet a a, a potential client, like what's the the process that you go through to evaluate if this is going to be a, a, a client that you want to engage with? Uh, step one is we do a discovery call. Like, tell us what you're doing. And we can pretty much assess within the first 30 minutes to 60 minutes, is this real? Mm-hmm. And what we are looking for, so in that, we are going to ask like really basic questions, like tell us about your business. If it's a founder, like tell us, do you have a founder's story? Who is your target market? What do you sell for? Where, but, but then we get down 
to um, more touchy feely questions like what does success look like? What have you done in the past that has felt successful or like it's not successful? Secretly, what I'm looking for in all of that is that is this real? Is this legit? Is there a true possibility? Are they able to handle the attention that we can get for them? Are they a realistic client? And also my like the the my strength and weakness is that I get excited about just about anybody. So I am the biggest I am I am a fangirl for most. So it is so that's why I have a team is cuz I'll say yes. Whereas my team will be like we can't do that. Right. So because I'm like I like if you're if you are a founder or a marketing person and you're telling me like we are so great and we are doing this, I can tell you if it's real or not. I can also get excited with you, but then we have to come to the reality and that can we do what you need to be done to move your business forward. Yeah. I also I'm not going to lie, you got to have some money. So it's like, but I, I actually, I think that's a super important thing for entrepreneurs and marketers to think about. I always like to say like, you get what you pay for, which is super important to remember when you get what you pay for, especially when it's free. Yeah. So making an investment in your company in yourself in that storytelling and understanding and having respect for other people's time and your experts that you're leaning on that is it is important and it's a really good spend unfortunately i think most entrepreneurs and early marketers forget to build out marketing plans yeah. And so that is because that's the I mean, it's the entrepreneur's conundrum. I'm one of them. We build it. They will come. That is not true. Like you build it. It exists. They may come, but they need to know about it. So, right. <laughs> like, yeah. How do they do that? And then that's where we play in. And it's not that it's it is. um it's not even to say that that we're expensive, but it is what it is, is that you, when it comes to services, whether it is accountants, lawyers, publicists, marketers, these are really important people. And you want people that you mesh with and that have your best interest in mind because it's really expensive when you have to do it twice. And unfortunately, that's how we find a lot of clients is that they have been through the ringer with either doing something else in terms of marketing and PR and either nobody told them, no, this won't work, or it wasn't the relationship and the opportunity was not, not right in some way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. I think it's actually, it's, it's gotta be hard for companies coming out of the gate to know what to do and what not to do because you're kind of, you hear it all the time. Like you got to be posting all the time. You got to, you got to have like a public presence. You got to be out there. And it's like, but have you thought about like what it is that you're trying to say? That's the, that's the problem. And that is the, that is step one. Well, no, I think step one is determine what you want. Mm-hmm. then figure out what you want to say, then figure out how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it and what you want out of it. Then you can talk about it. And really what the the sort of where money fits into that engine is money is just an accelerator. Right. So it is an accelerator for in sort of what you were talking about, more posting, more time, more attention, more stories, because it's all, it is like a time and attention and an eyeballs getting um, tool. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's interesting. It is. You know, it's interesting. Like people, I hear people say it all the time, like Tesla doesn't spend any money on marketing. 
But Elon Musk's publicist is amazing. Like the amount of the, the amount that they're able to leverage him. And to me, that's marketing. And they're not they're not spending zero. <laughs> like they're someone is coordinating. That is a very coordinated attack that is happening 24-7 of how they leverage him. You know? Absolutely. He is being consulted in some sort of way. Yay. Go, may, yeah. Well, actually, sometimes maybe not. I'm sure that there's someone in there that's like, shut it down. Stop. <laughs> stop <laughs> talking. Stop tweeting. Um, but I mean, they, he has a couple of things going for him. He's in a newsy industry. So there is that. But I mean, he built a personal brand. Not everybody has the ability to do that. But that also that didn't happen overnight. Nothing that he has done has happened overnight. And so at one point, he was at the beginning too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something, and that's an important point to, to make is that there is a starting point for everybody. And I mean, when, when do you feel like the right point to start engaging with a, with um, a public relations firm is for these companies and these people? I think that's a great question. Um, and I, I'm not going to have a specific answer because there are some people who they don't know their story themselves. They don't know exactly what they are. They know that they like make blue shoes. I'm using this as an example. They make blue shoes. What that, and they're like, yay, they're like good shoes. Like maybe people will like them. They're cute if they don't have a reason or a why for making blue shoes besides that they're cute, then someone like a PR firm, maybe more importantly, a branding or creative group, someone like you to bring the creativity, bring strategy to the creativity to bring together that story is really important, but that is also a time when we can get involved to be like, okay, here's what's missing. You don't like, we got to find a story around this. Why are the blue shoes important? Um, What are the like selling points of the blue shoes? So if you were missing sort of those elements that make you unique, that's where we would come in. If you have already taken the time and developed your brand, developed your sales pitch, have distribution, Um, have distribution lined up and feel comfortable with your distribution and that you can handle attention, then that is also a really great sort of point in time to bring on a PR specialty. And then, because then we are able to bring your story out to the media and it really just amplifies everything that you're doing. Yeah. Does that, do you feel like you have a good enough answer, even though... I, I, I like that answer. I'm, I'm actually thinking, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about my, my company right now and, you know, just full disclosure that we've started talking about it. And, um, you know, I've, I've tried to leverage your expertise to validate some of my initial thoughts, uh, which has been, which we talked about earlier today. And it was like, you know, and now I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, what, what does that timing look like? And when do I, when, because we need to talk about the story. We need to hone the story. We need, there's a lot of work to do before we put it out into the world. Right. And, In, and it, so it's, you know, so for me, cause, and that's just the way I think I'm trying to think like, okay, the, we'll, I want to package it up before we start talking about it. Well, and there is another, so, so interestingly, I mean, this is for all, com- all, all companies and in our past, you and I, Something that happened with a former company that we worked with, Sphero, um, they were in the fundraising stage. And I've worked in the fundraising stage with a lot of companies, actually. And PR coverage helped them in that. It doesn't necessarily mean that dollars came to the table because of a story that we placed, but the credibility that opened the door that made people feel good if they had already made an investment, if they considered it, or if they thought about telling their friend, that was that the PR that we did in those means helped us. Yeah. I'm going to give put a caveat on that though. 
not everybody wants more cooks in the kitchen. And that is what PR at early stages can do. Right. Yeah. Especially if it's, if it's quarter baked and mm-hmm. you know, yep. and you haven't really done the work. I mean, I, I, I'm working on this uh, branding project right now and I, I work for a, a, a pretty new company and the approach was to bring in like a, a branding specialist and go through basically like a three month exercise, mm-hmm. you know, cause we just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, who your customer is and you think, you know, everything about them and you think, you know, why you exist, but you haven't done the work to really discover it yet. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm of the belief that once we've done this work, we can sit down with, someone with you and and your team and say, here's what we think this is. Mm -hmm. Here are all the pieces we have. What do you, what do you think? Like how, how do we use, how do we utilize this and activate it? Rob, that is our favorite client. That is our favorite type of client that has done that kind of work because then we truly get to be the messengers and rarely Is there anything so egregious that has come from that work that would hinder what we can do that we, that we are stunted in our abilities? So that is, that is our dream. We also, I will disclose. So my company, Lola Red, been around for 22 years. We have gone through branding exercises, but we just went through a month. Well, it's about nine months in right now, rebranding exercise. And it is painful. Um, But it is also invigorating. And the reason that we did it was because we have changed. And so, and I, I think that that branding exercise, whether you are changing your logo or not, which like changing your logo is like tip of the iceberg of branding experience. We went through it because we needed to evolve how we talked about ourselves. Yeah. Because the way that we talked about ourselves communicated that we were a, um, not a premium Mm. and not the best, even though every experience and client that we heard from said that we were. Yeah. Yeah. And what's been interesting in that, I'll, I, you understand this, and hopefully some of your people listening will understand it, the nuances that come with communication and words and elements of branding can change your whole trajectory. We have a word, so so hustle is a word that has been associated with our business and our work for 22 years. It is literally ingrained into who I am and what I do. So then that applied to our business. What happened in pre-COVID days, so I call it BC before COVID, at the end of BC, we were, um, that term hustle, how people were reading into it was that we were a, um, a lower priced, valuable agency who was willing to work and do anything that needed to be done. Yeah. There's a lot of reality in that. But what we wanted to do is that we wanted to communicate that we were partners and that we were not flippant about strategy, which hustle can sort of communicate that a little bit and that we were smarter than anyone else, which sometimes when you're hustling, it doesn't mean that you're working smart. It means that you are like working fast to achieve a result quickly and you're willing to do anything possible, which that anything possible may not be the smartest thing at that time. So pre-COVID, we were like, we are going to take hustle out of our, out of our language, which we did for a year during COVID. And it had a, it had the desired result. So it helped us to attract clients that were less about just go and figure it out and more about let's like partner and have a long-term relationship to achieve a common goal. 
Um, but what's interesting is that since times have changed and we're still, I guess, in COVID, I see. As we are in that, the attractiveness of the word hustle has come back. Yeah. And that's because of the state of the world and the state of work and the desirability of people that are willing to work hard at any cost. But that is the nuance, like that is the small little nuance that I think it's important for marketers and branders to think about and entrepreneurs to think about, which is why it's worth, like you said, you're like, I don't know, chicken, egg. Do we do the branding exercise? Do we do the PR? That is the importance of the exercise before you do the messaging. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and that, that's a really good example of something. I know. Would that you seems, say take out, what do you think? Hustle, good or bad? You know, I always, until you said this and I really thought about it, I, I, I guess what comes to mind for me is, and, and why I understand what you're saying, I think is I get that you want people to hustle and there's a, there's something good about that. Right. But the image that I have of hustle is like, a, you know, a young person on Fiverr, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just going to do it. And what in, in the word hustle, what doesn't resonate at all, I don't think thoughtfulness. I don't think plan. I don't think strategy. I just think like, go bring that over there and then bring and it back. It however. Yeah. Just get it done. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're doing something that is as important and critical and at times dangerous for the company, which is speaking to the world, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to be doing it. Just that's not the right way to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I could see why you would take that out. But, but until you said it, I didn't really think about it because I used hustle earlier in the conversation. I know. I, well, I'm proud of it. So I'm proud. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, but again, it is because I also, I think that we are in such a unique time in our world today. Like it has, this has evolved in the past, I'd say three to six months. And it is sort of the evolution of the workforce, which ultimately is the evolution of how people-centric businesses operate. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. and going away from it, putting a little bit of the hustle back in is helpful right now because of what has how the world has evolved from an employment perspective. Yeah. I'm I, as you're saying that I was trying to think of a word to pair with hustle. You know, like hustle with purpose, like some kind of thing to balance it out. Smart um, hustle. Smart hustle that works. Like it's not just aimless. It's not just following directions. Mm-mm. It's it's being thoughtful and smart and, and clever. Um, mm-hmm. Alexis, this is this has been awesome. Um, I feel like I'm having a masterclass in, in PR right now, and my mind is racing because it's all applicable to to what I do, and and I I have to believe that listeners are are going to have the same reaction that I'm having right now, uh, which, which is awesome. What, what is the best way for folks to find out more about you and and the company and, and, and how to engage with you guys? Yeah. Uh, you can always email me. My email is very simple. Alexis at Lola red.com. Lola red is the name of my company. Um, Lola red.com is our email. Call me, email me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're you're there you are ready i feel like i someone just emailed you right now i feel like oh, that was did. kind they of did. they just like that was, sent, that yeah, was magical just, like, was like oh well, i'll text her no um they yeah it's from the future text. someone from the future just emailed you mm-hmm. that's awesome Amazing. wow uh, listeners um I, I i hope that you share the feeling i'm having which is um the feeling of learning and uh you know, I, I have some big takeaways from this and I'll try my best to summarize. Um, I got the idea that you should know yourself, that you should know your customer. You should have a marketing plan. Um, the better that plan, the 
the more effective that, that your PR can be. Um, and you should figure it out probably first before you bring in your, your PR partner. Um, I, I, I learned that partner is the right term. It is a partner. You're going to work together and collaborate on a strategy. And the big one, um, which I, I think, hey, Garrett, we should name the episode this. Your network is your net worth. That's really good. I love that. Um, Alexis Walsko, thank you so much for being awesome and coming on and, and giving us this incredible, insightful information. And uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in and, and sharing some of your day with us. If, if you like this sort of thing, uh, subscribe um, and, and, and listen to more. You've been listening to DCC Growth Hacking. It's presented by Field Test. Field Test allows businesses to connect with their customers anywhere they are online. And you can find out more about Field Test at https colon slash slash fieldtest.la. My name is Rob McGray. And on behalf of the entire team at Field Test, have a great week. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you, Rob. This was a Field Test podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 